Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I'm very cautious of this. And yes. there's a uniform, yeah, there's a uniform consensus amongst right wingers and even left wingers. Like everybody says Beijing Biden, but he's been the most hawkish on China president that we've ever had. Okay. There's a couple of things. Sure. Uh that I want to mention. Yeah. I agree with you. When I hear somebody talk about they like I agree with them, agree with them, agree with them, and then they're like, and China, because China. Right. I'm like, oh, you're a fed. Like, I get it now. <laughs> I just, you know, I just feel like anybody who's with me all the way. And then yeah. they do that. I'm like, you are seriously working for the race. It's, it's China, China and Israel. China and Israel are yeah. the two weak spots. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I'm the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty, physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Okay? Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, everybody. This is In Liberty and Health, episode number 147. And I've been looking forward to having this conversation for a while. We have a lot of mutuals. And every single show I've seen her on, I've absolutely loved. And she just has this charismatic personality and presence about her i could tell as soon as we first started talking i'm happy to share with everybody my conversation today with monica perez how you doing i'm great how are you doing i'm very happy to be here too yeah well i'm very very well and like i said it's uh it's cool to finally uh kind of make this happen so um i, I don't want to go too deep on your introduction because i've heard you lay it out on different shows and yes. i thought it was really cool that as a kid you were pretty much steeped in the libertarian literature um do you kind of remember if, like, when you first got handed that literature, ever thinking like, hey, this is completely different than all the stuff that all the other kids are reading? Well, I remember reading Atlas Shrugged, mm -hmm. at least, I, I definitely read it more than once, but I read it in high school. And I remember my social studies teacher in 10th grade said, Monica, this is going to be on the test, so you should probably put Ayn Rand, although they always mispronounce it, they say Ayn Rand, put Ayn Rand away. And I thought that he didn't realize, but Atlas Shrugged is like this fat, like even the <laughs> even the paperback is just mm -hmm. huge. And I, I have a first edition now, which I'm proud of, but uh, although I think Ayn Rand was probably a whatever, and they say that she was Rothschild's mistress or something. Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't, I really don't know what the point was of her, of like that psyop, that was a psyop, but I felt that it was very crystal clear and easy to understand, very straightforward. And I was happy later in life to find like stuff that was deeper Rothbard and stuff that you would flesh it all out. Uh, yeah. Kids would totally make fun of me and the teachers hated <laughs> me and I grew up in New York. So mm -hmm. I was 
not only was I the only libertarian, there weren't even any Republicans. Mm -hmm. So, so then when I moved to Texas, I was like, oh, this is so great. Cause I basically had never met a Republican before. So I went to Texas as an adult. And when I was there, I realized that Republicans are not libertarians. They're just <laughs> voting for what they want, you know? And yeah. I was like, how could you vote for zoning? You know, they're like, mm -hmm. because the airplanes make noise over my house. I was like, what the, but you bought the house when it was under the flight zone and the, those airlines are, uh, 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 <laughs> you know, that's outrageous. You just vote your own interest. They're like, that's what everybody does. Mm -hmm. So I was really out there and, but I was quite argumentative. And I remember, I think it was, this is really crazy. I, you'd probably be arrested today if, if people thought <laughs> this way of you, but I was, when we were studying the civil war, the teacher made me the South. And everybody else was the North. We were doing a debate and I was the South <laughs> and everyone. And I really, I think, honestly, I feel like I won. I won that mm -hmm. one. Cause I was right. I was like, you should, why didn't they have the right to secede? Like the moral issues of what they were doing is mm -hmm. a different question. And, you know, you could, I, you know, you could, we could talk about that separately, but as far as secession goes. And then later I realized that I would think that the North was antagonizing the South with, with tariffs and stuff that were strategic mm -hmm. And that punished the, the growers of cotton, you know, so if the South was trading with Britain or whatever, mm. you know, having strategic tariffs come down from the, the North would, could have just been, you know, economic issues. So there were a lot of little issues and they thought it was funny, but nowadays, you know, I'm sure they would report me to mental health services for thinking <laughs> I could take the South. And even when I moved mm. to Atlanta, I was like, oh, Finally, like you understand, like the deeper issues that were just like, we don't talk about that. It's <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, I, I, I kind of feel that when I talk to my coworkers, because I'll be 28 in literally four days. And I want to say by the time this airs, it'll probably be like one or two days. So, um, you know, I kind of grew up as I always consider myself a libertarian and I always consider myself more like Republican leaning because I, I'm a mechanic. My dad's a mechanic. I, you know, I've worked in the automotive industry for 10 years. So, I mean, these are all like the most boomer con people in the world that you could meet. And it, it was always an interesting dichotomy for me when I talked to Trump supporters and try to tell them all the stuff that he did that was counter to their interests and they just wouldn't have it. And I, it, it makes me scratch my head, but I see that, you know, they do believe in what they believe in, but it, it really is just kind of, I, I hate this fucking term, but the duopoly, the Republicans and Democrats really have a hold on these people. Like they're going to vote for one of those two, no matter what. And it, it's upsetting that they won't consider anything else and not saying that they necessarily should or shouldn't. But um, it, it's just interesting to see that people really are just one way or the other. And that seems to be kind of your experience too. Yes, and that they put, want to put you in a bucket or a basket or whatever, and then you're supposed to, whatever they feed you there, that's what you're supposed <laughs> to eat, which is why liberals are now like pro-vax and pro-war mm. and all that. They're not liberals anymore. Right. And this is something, like you mentioned Trump, that I feel like Trump brought a kind of pragmatism, a kind of rhetoric, and also the identity politics mm -hmm. that was more characteristic of the right, of the left. Mm -hmm. And what we had been getting, I think the people on the right who were more like me, more had ideological foundations that were consistent with our, the foundations of this country, 
like the Ron Paul thing. And I think that was catching on as the alternative. And mm -hmm. they use these methods where you can actually get a very, what do you call it? Like demagogue, whatever. You can get yeah. a lot of people on board if you are, you know, loud and obnoxious or get a lot of people at a rally. And he would say like, I'll just railroad them. I'll just make an mm -hmm. executive order. I'll, and this idea of I'll just get it done, forget your ideals. Mm -hmm. And I thought, how long is that going to last? Like how it does not, it doesn't make sense. Like straight up and down vote on everything. It's like, you know, you really don't want mob rule going forward because the mob is going to take 51% of mm -hmm. everything and you're going to be enslaved. So I think he really changed any hope for ideology on, I guess I would call it the right, but really it's, it, to me, it's the classical liberal kind of American experiment. Well, that's actually a really interesting way to look at it. Um, and I kind of tossed this idea around. I really wanted to pick your brain at it too. Um, the whole Trump phenomena almost seems like a psyop to me because when you look at how he was and how he spoke, he literally sounded like Ron Paul before he got elected, calling out the interest rates, the bubble, the unemployment rates, like a lot of this stuff. I was like, holy shit, he's dead on. But then as soon as he gets in, everything flipped just like on a dime. And then the base was none the smarter. They didn't care. He went for all the drone strikes, gun control spending. He did everything the deep state wanted, but they still put up a fight. And he was also, I mean, there were emails saying to Hillary Clinton that they literally wanted to prop him up. And yeah, they said that was because they felt he could be beaten, but. Oh, I don't remember that one. No, you, you didn't hear that? Yeah, there were literally emails being sent to Hillary Clinton, if I remember correctly, saying that we're going to prop Donald Trump up because we feel that he's the easiest to beat. I did think that's what they were doing. Right. Well, I, <laughs> but I, 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 might, I, be, I might be editorial. Yeah. Oh, uh, no, there were weird things going on. And there yeah. was definitely stuff with Zucker, who ran CNN, yeah. telling them to go easy on him. And I remember when I realized that he spent zero dollars on his campaign, Trump, that mm -hmm. CNN framing him in a certain way which was like we're so scared of only that republican yeah. was another great way to get him to get republican votes because republicans mm -hmm. like these are the people he's because he would take he's pissing off on. all the right people people yeah. enjoyed that they really mm -hmm. like got some satisfaction out of that mm -hmm. but yeah i feel like the biggest thing that he did that if hillary clinton had been in there there really would have been uh there really would have been a riot a really really would have stormed the oh, capital yeah. which they right. did not mm -hmm. if she had done the like uh emergency order thing for covid that mm -hmm. would be completely gave the justification to the yeah. governors. For... Okay. Yeah. You're, you're taking this to a whole nother level that I actually haven't considered, but I, yeah. I, I really like it. And I think you're spot on to be completely honest with you. Cause I don't yeah. think you could have got Republicans to obey those same commands out of Hillary Clinton. And, no. and that's not to say that Hillary Clinton and Trump are the same because they're, they're not <laughs> make that clear. No, but also she's yeah. a chick. Like they would have felt empowered. He was kind of yeah. imposing. I know that's weirdly psychological, but I feel mm -hmm. like, he was he was a patriarch kind of thing. And yes, he told you to trust him, trust the plan, mm -hmm. trust the plan, he told you to trust him and to trust that insanity. But people did it. And then look at I always say this, like that the Republicans, they they add so much to the debt. Like mm -hmm. it's it's only I, I'm coined this phrase, the contrary law of democracy, that you only the thing that you fear the most has to come from your own party. So like if Republicans mm. fear gun control, uh, they're going to be hyper vigilant against Democrats. But right. if Trump slips in, oh, 
take their guns away first and do due process later, mm -hmm. it gets pushed down and people aren't that right. afraid. Same thing with the debt and the spending and everything. Get a Republican. Mm -hmm. I have a hashtag. It will take a Republican. <laughs> that's how it works. And like the Democrats bring you the war is probably mm -hmm. for the same reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, that's that's all really, really interesting. And like I said, you're definitely taking it to another level that I haven't really considered before. Um, I'm way it, down the rabbit hole. <laughs> I, it's, it's been many years since my Ayn Rand days. Yeah, no, no. I, I I was just listening to you on uh, Pete Konotis' uh, show oh, earlier yeah. today from May 2021, I think he it was. He blows my was... mind. Yeah. I need, no, a, I need another cycle with him because he's oh, ever-changing. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know what? Some people kind of criticize him for changing, but um, one thing that I like about him and even you in this respect, and Buck, and all the people who kind of are taking a different look at things is that... I can appreciate the paleo libertarians of people who are saying we have to move beyond the non-aggression principle and property rights and preaching Rothbard and say, hey, this is an imperfect solution, but it's a solution nonetheless. Um, a lot of libertarians that are just, you know, LP no matter what, they lose this nuance. And I, I, I don't know where I fall. I've done four episodes with some of the greatest minds on strategy, and I still don't know where I fall because it's like oh, – you know, what is the best path forward? Because none of the On paths... strategy, yeah. people who are just good at strategy or political strategy? Uh, just kind of like different people in the political game. So like, right. uh, okay. diff like different routes, like going the Republican yeah. route or the Libertarian Party route. Um, none of the strategies have worked so far. So right. it's like, okay, well, how do we know what's going to work going forward? I guess one thing that I'm thinking right now, because I really don't have a plan. I just, it's very clear that what's happening is not working. It's very clear that there <laughs> has to be, that it's not really about ideology in that mm -hmm. it's just, there's so much corruption and right. lies and all that, that it can't be about, I'm going to hang tight, even though you're frozen. Um, I feel like it's kind of post-ideological in a, in a lot of ways, but I feel like a first step might be like, I'm not going to abandon the non-aggression principle. I'm not going to say that there should be, like, if you're going to use the force of government, it should be anything beyond don't touch me or my stuff. Like, I right. feel like if you're going to jail people, it's got to be for touching other people's stuff or person. Yeah. But I feel like we have this eclectic culture. We have this culture that is not, like, it's not homogeneous, whatever you call it. Like, it's um, just... Very diverse, yeah. Yeah, not just multicultural ethnically, but like we have all these different political theories and you can't have no, you can't have conflicting political theories and mm. still have values. I feel like the ultimate thing, and it's like what Ron Paul said about abortion. He said, I'm really not as worried about the laws as I am about the culture. So that uh, the yes. fact that people think yes. That it's okay. And I, I feel the same way. I'm like, I don't, I look at religions and I think there's billions of people. I grew up in a pretty religious household. And the two things that were just drilled into our heads all the time was uh, your behavior, like self-control and charity. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's just like laws and taxes. You know, that's right. just everything that justifies government and pretty much more than half the people in the world are religious. So mm -hmm. you can't, but you can't have it you can't think that abortion is a moral good and that abortion is a moral bad at the same time mm -hmm. in a society that legislates abortion and think that you're going to get uh, a society, a civilization that's moving forward. I mean, right. 
you know, we maybe we move forward. Maybe we keep making money. Like if you know anything about the business cycle, like a company that gets in the beginning, the growth stage, it makes no money at all. Like it mm -hmm. may, has zero revenue. It's right. building a business and then it has revenue. And that I'm sure you know, because probably have a firsthand knowledge of actual business. And then after you have the whole thing going, you can have a cash cow. You've got everything dialed in. You know who you're, you know, when you need a new roof, you've got everything cycled and you can really concentrate on getting most throughput at the top line. Mm -hmm. And you, you, so you can have a cash cow. You can have a, a country throw off cash for a long time, long after it's no longer a, a, a workable model. And I don't like government to be thought of as a business because it's not, it's, right. but, I, but I just feel like, Culturally, you just can't be at odds and and get somewhere good. And and so I just feel like if we could all get on the same page culturally, and unfortunately, they will use that against me, against us to say, okay, well, then just secede, which will play into their hands. Same thing with the Catholic Church. I'm afraid they're looking for a schism, which will absolutely weaken any kind of big tent on the mm. opposition side. So I really don't, I, I think the first thing is we have to get our philosophy aligned. Yeah. And if that, if I think there are two different, you know, Aristotle and Plato, two different things to look at. Mm. You can go on one side or the other, but I mean, just to have everybody in the same fighting, like it's just not going to get, it's, it, it's actually a perfect smoke and mirrors. So they keep mm. taking the money, they keep spending the money and nobody expects you to actually accomplish anything because they're, everything's at odds. And then they just take it. I think they're just basically stealing it at this point. Right. Um, I like that you brought up the culture part, especially with Ron Paul, because um, I really do feel abortion is a cultural issue because I, I'm, I'm fervently pro-life, right? Um, now, the thing is, I believe in today's world, you will never get 100% people to agree that, you know, life begins at conception. You could probably get everybody to agree at first trimester, and then after that is a flat-out ban. I think you get most people there, and obviously there's going to be unreasonable people on both sides that are going to say one way or the other. But um, I, I think it's because we've told people that life isn't very meaningful, right? Yeah. And that kind of gets down to the level of – well, and also we've told people they're not responsible. So um, – when you have sex with somebody, in my mind, you assume the risk that that's the Me outcome, too, right? Yeah. yeah. That's what I tell my kids. I'm like, it's fine. But I, I personally wouldn't want to have a baby with someone I had. I didn't know that right. when I woke up that morning, like yeah. I would avoid, like, that's like my first pass. I'm like, mm -hmm. and really, it should be just somebody you're going to have a lifelong relationship with. Mm -hmm. No, and that, that's how I have to think about it. And it's hard right. enough to raise kids with in a loving home. I am stoked to tell you guys about the show's new sponsor. I am now working with MTS Nutrition, which is a brand that I've believed in for a very long time, and they run awesome cells and they have awesome products. So um, I want to tell you about their amazing protein powder, which you're going to ask me how many pounds I have of the protein powder, and the answer is all of them. So here I got red velvet cake, 25 grams of protein, and they have the amino acids and everything on there, 59 servings. Peanut butter fluff, uh, fluffernutter, 26 grams of protein, and then also the chocolate chip cookie, which literally has real pieces of chocolate chip cookie in there. So 27 grams of protein, 180. As I've talked about on the show, getting your protein in is very, very important. So make sure you hit that link below and purchase your protein powder through MTS Nutrition. Boom! Yeah, yeah. So it's so really, it's really, out, it's outrageous to put somebody's life at risk like that their whole yeah. psyche forever. But, right. you know, am I against, would I want a law against premarital sex? Like, 
I, I just that would be kind of a crazy thing to have to yeah. execute. Uh, it's, so it's, it's got to be yeah, it's got to be a cultural responsibility where you teach people that like, hey, when you do this, there is this potential that this could happen, and it is morally wrong to kill a life because you didn't want to take responsibility for that action. And people would say alcohol and stuff like that, but I mean, you still chose to drink. When it comes to yeah. rape and incest or the life of the mother, this is going to piss some people off, and I'm okay with that. I do believe there should be an exception, but it shouldn't be like, whoa, you're eight months in after you got raped, and then you abort the child. It's like, no, as soon as you realize that this happened, yeah, I mean, it I wasn't mean, your choice. Ron Paul said, you know, advocates like a rape kit kind of thing. Like you go mm-hmm. in and they, like, they try to get DNA and yeah. they just even for sanitary reasons, they'll mm. like clean up. So it would be good to try to get help. That's a tough one. Yeah. I mean, I've read articles from people who were the child children of rape. And I think, mm. you know, ancestrally, there's probably a disproportionate number of people on earth who have descended from that. I can't, right. you know, it's just, I, I'm happy to say, I don't have to, you know, I'm not in the position right now to have to make that call. Right. I probably, you know, I just, I don't know. I don't know. Because, for me, it would be probably hard to live. My first son had Down syndrome, and I'm really glad that I did not know that when I was pregnant because mm-hmm. I, I would not really probably be comfortable with the fact that I would have to have gone through that thought process. Mm-hmm. But I will say, like, the life of the mother thing, uh, my mother used to say, like, the doctors are wrong a lot, you know. They don't really know. <laughs> they tell you, but they don't really know. Mm-hmm. So, and I've had many people, many people come up to me and say, I was told that my child would be severely handicapped and that I should get an abortion and I didn't and my child's normal. Yeah, okay, so for those situations- So I'm um, not saying there should be a law, yeah. but I'm just saying like they they throw these exceptions out. Mm-hmm. But first of all, why are we talking about that? Like not mm-hmm. why are we talking about that, but yeah. why is that where Why is that the go? focus, right? That's not what we're talking about. There's yeah. a prop one in California if you're in California, please vote no on Prop One. Mm-hmm. It's basically infanticide, but it's so it's you get to abort the child basically till right before birth. Mm-hmm. And you know, let's talk about is that I actually think it's more honest. Mm-hmm. You know, cultures that have infanticide. I mean, they're not arguing that it's not a human being. You don't. They don't have to negate the humanity of it. They they are saying that just like when colonial countries, colonial powers went into foreign countries and said, indigenous people are not human and they stand in the way of progress. They don't have souls because they're not baptized or whatever. So, and they stand in the way of progress. So we're sacrificing them and their rights. We won't treat them the same because we need to do this other thing. And that is mm-hmm. like morally abhorrent to us now, but that's yeah. the exact same argument, mm-hmm. you know, holds back women or they're not human. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. you can say that, but that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is, it's it's not it's not better for you. And the thing is, it's not even about the women who are getting the abortions. It's not really for them. They act like I need this right, whatever. It's hundred mm-hmm. percent feeding into some larger agenda, right? Where they either want population control or really more fundamentally, your point, which is, it's a culture of death, and they need mm-hmm. that because if you started having real self respect and a genuine compassion for people, you might actually end welfare. You know, you might not vote for more welfare. Right. You might, you might, you might actually care about that person, and and not and not want your infrastructure subsidized. You might want some free time to help that person, or you know what I mean. Like that, this structure is based on a morality 
that I don't think stands up to scrutiny. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm just sick of those arguments that are, I just don't agree with them. And I, and I feel like I don't care who you vote for. We need to have honest conversations, a higher level of ethical discourse. Right. I'm actually really thankful for that pushback because that's not pushback I've received because normally I'm the one pushing back on pro-choice people. And I like, I just never heard that angle before. So I actually appreciate that. And that gives me a little bit more to kind of get along. I'm not a big fan of like legislating. I'm really yeah, no, no, me neither. hard as a narco-capitalist, but mm-hmm. we have to be able to talk about these things because, mm-hmm. I mean, unless we're complete morons, and we're not morons. We're we're mm-hmm. trained to be idiots. We're not, you know what I mean? TikTok yeah. is really melting their brains, but I think there's hope. Too long didn't read. Yeah, it's essentially the too long didn't read yes, generation. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. But I watched soap operas when I was a mm-hmm. kid. Like, I mean, I, I would watch till you know, all night I would watch TV. <laughs> so my brain should be mush. I had fluoride right. in the water. I'm kind of happy because my teeth are <laughs> super strong. But yeah. I, if anyone shouldn't be able to think, it's me and I can think. So there is hope for them, but we just have to, I think, challenge. Yeah, um, I, I think a lot of the abortion um, conversation is kind of focused towards the left strictly because the women are the largest voting block in America, right? I mean, and not only that, when you talk about student debt forgiveness as well, women actually hold two-thirds of student debt. Really? And, uh, I, yes. Yes. You can actually look this up. Um, I did a whole podcast on it. I called it the most sexist podcast ever. <laughs> oh, great. To get I people's hear attention. It. Yeah. But um, I think a lot of this stuff is targeted towards women because it's, you know, if we can get these hoes voting, then by all means, we could stay in power. So if you can yeah. convince women that their bodily autonomy is at risk and that Democrats are the, pro- or, you know, are the solution to the but problem. He, but here's the then, thing. Yeah. I think I, I don't know if I heard it or heard clips of it. I My memory is, was quite a while ago, so I'm not 100 percent sure. If, I think I just heard clips of it. It was I believe it was on NPR where they had. They wanted to, it was like an anniversary of Roe versus Wade, and they wanted mm-hmm. to talk to women who had had abortions because they, you know, then I went on to have a successful career and I had this, ba- you know, I had a family and whatever. It's like the time somebody hijacked my show against reparations, like Atlanta, the population of Atlanta is 50% African-American and it's mm-hmm. very liberal inside the loop. People called my show for three hours straight, liberal black Atlantans against reparations like people will hate us you cannot do that do not do reparations i wasn't advocating but so it was similar Mm -hmm. to that was the npr show where where everybody called in and just said i could never forgive myself i could never get pregnant again i i like just really can't handle it at all the doctor told me Mm -hmm. it was i was young my parents it was i they they were they were really uncomfortable so when people like say it's it's for women i say it's it's not, you know, it's not, it really hurts them. And I'm not saying that again, I'm not talking about policy. I'm talking about, don't say that it's Mm -hmm. not, you know, like they shouldn't say, and then they went, they took it to 11 and they got t-shirts that said, you know, I had an abortion and I'm proud of it. Like there's fucking Mm -hmm. t-shirts like that. It's a cultural thing for them. Right. And I'm like, you don't Mm -hmm. have to say something bad is good just because, you know, they, it doesn't, you don't have, if you, you don't have to either push it or ban it. Like you mm-hmm. can, you know, gay marriage, you don't have to make it so that Catholic charities or cha- Catholic adoption agencies are forced to close their doors because they mm-hmm. don't feel like they can give uh, babies to gay couples. Like let them just do what they want. You don't have to mandate mm-hmm. everything, mm-hmm. but the, but having, so that, that I would say is like a, a, maybe every libertarian I've ever talked to 
personally, maybe one exception is pro-life. So really? when you're not, yeah, when you're not wow. burdened, yeah, with the politics of it, I think you just, that's where you fall out. But I, but I, I do know that libertarian people complain about libertarians taking, you know, thinking it, maybe they don't even do it, but like, just because you don't want drugs to be illegal doesn't mean you want everybody on drugs, you know, right. like that's why I kind of have sympathy it's the for the paleo, yeah. yeah, the paleo types who are culturally mm. conservative, but they don't want necessarily to use the force of the government to impose their views but they want to make it clear that there are consequences to actions so if you're a libertarian and you're out you know screwing around and you end up with kids you're not gonna have any welfare and pretty to fall back on and pretty soon in one generation people's behavior gets a lot more conservative when they actually have to suffer the consequences and then you you know what i mean so i don't know how it would work but I don't know if that really would work because it wouldn't work because what we have is all these these sinister actors at the top mm-hmm. that are that are d- deliberately shaping the culture and they have the power of the media and the propaganda and the academics and the policies. I, I just in that way, I feel like it's it's almost hopeless. That's why I feel like I can't just sit around and not point out the cultural issues. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it is a problem. <laughs> well, this is why, and this has always been bizarre to me that libertarians didn't get this, but um, the other side of freedom is responsibility, right? Because everything you do is going to have a consequence. If I were to fuck up fixing a vehicle, which I do, <laughs> you know, you're a mechanic, 10 years doing it, I'm going to fuck some cars up. Um, I ultimately will have to fix that. And sometimes that involves actually fixing that car without pay. So to me, this is very internalized, right? Um, If I were to knock up my fiance, then we wouldn't abort the kid. We would go through with it, right? We have dogs. We take care of our dogs. Even if you had to quit school, you know, like some people have to quit school and get a job because they have somebody to support. Mm -hmm. Whereas Ben Bernanke, who was the head of the Fed and uh, drove, gave us zero interest rates in perpetuity. I'm glad you're bringing this up. I want to go here. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that what was happening in COVID in 2020 Mm -hmm. wasn't at all about a pandemic, but it was about getting those interest rates back on track and they couldn't do it any Mm -hmm. other way by literally nuking the economy. That guy got a Nobel prize. Yep. Yes. (laughs) So what I mean, because he doesn't have a car that has to run. Mm hmm. You, oh right, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I, I I get what you're saying. Where's so, the car? Wait, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't run, Ben. Oh, that wasn't yeah. my fault. There was a bunch <laughs> of other guys. Like, okay, Ben, thanks. Yeah, that, never that, going uh, to you again. What Wall Street <laughs> was drunk, and as Peter Schiff always says, who liquored them up? <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. So, um, do you feel this is something I brewed on for quite a while, and I really enjoyed this conversation about um talk about interest rates. So this sounds so like nerdy and dumb, but when you kind of extrapolate it out, I really think it makes sense. So we've had low interest rates for so long that it really has taught a whole generation of people to not save the delay, or you don't delay gratification anymore and you can even see this like in the situation what we did in iraq with the regime change or um it was either iraq or afghanistan their population tripled because we were over there just handing out money hand over fist right and then guess what we pulled the rug out from underneath them and i'm not saying we should have stayed but the fact is their population tripled and now you have a whole generation of people that are never going to know the same prosperity that their parents and their parents oh, they parents probably knew. did that on purpose 
Right. But okay, so <laughs> we, we completely destroyed their country. Yeah. And then over here, we let people borrow money, essentially same as cash, same deal with COVID. You handed people hand over fist money. And now you've taught everybody that it is absolutely pointless to save and pointless to maintain a budget because the government's going to be there to bail you out. Um, do you feel like that was deliberate? Or do you think there's just, you know, hey, we wanted to fund some wars, we wanted to bail out Wall Street? You know, what's your kind of thoughts on how interest rates kind of shaped the culture? Or if you think that's a thing? Because I, to me, it seems obvious. Yes, definitely. And I always wondered that these zero interest rates were just going on for so long. I was like, right. if bankers run the world, how are they managing <laughs> on such low interest rates? I said, mm -hmm. unless... They want to train us to be completely impervious to debt mm -hmm. until we're all greatly indebted. And then they jack up the interest rates so that they will. So we have $30 trillion in government debt. I haven't looked at it lately, but I don't. There's, so there's $30 trillion, I believe, mm -hmm. of federal government debt. Yeah. So that I would like to know how much of that is in 30-year you know, 1% or 2% bonds. Like, I just don't know right. what the average interest rate is and the, and the duration of that 30 year. I mean, the, the question would be, if you're Googling it, what is the duration? That, okay. Uh, well, okay. The so the debt, debt, yeah, the debt right now is at 31 trillion. The debt per citizen is $93,000. Debt per taxpayer is $247,000. And you want to know, I don't know. The duration. So do they have basically, is that an average of 10 years at 2%? Here. It's going to be hard to find that. You know what? Let's, let's do this. this the would question would be, what is the duration? Here. So I don't know if it's a dollar to silver, living in debt, paper to debt, U.S. money supply, national well, assets. I'll keep telling you. Oh, wow. Look at that. Oh, yeah. Okay. So what's the average interest rate on the debt? That's probably one thing you want to know. Uh, federal debt to I'll GDP. I, I like that website, though. I'm familiar yeah. with it. It's it's so, always kind of entertaining to look at that because it's like, holy shit, you just see these numbers skyrocketing up. Yeah. No, it's actually I've gotten like kind of little sick from that. Mm -hmm. The weighted average duration of the debt holds relatively steady at just over five years. Okay, so that means they have to roll over the debt every five years, right? If if the mm -hmm. average debt is so that means some is two and some is seven. So five years mm -hmm. is not that long. So five no. years from now we're going to have five percent interest, which is going to matter because if right now it's at two and a half, let's say I'm just pulling out my butt, but mm -hmm. if it's two and a half percent, and even without growing the debt in five years, you will have double that. So say it's 600 billion of our mm -hmm. taxes go to, to paying the debt. They, it will be twice as much then mm -hmm. because the interest rates are going up and that's what the bankers like. Of course, I think that all debt to the federal reserve, which is probably like 8 billion, 800, how much do we owe the, the, um, Largest budget items, bank interest, uh, U.S. total interest. So pay. the Federal Reserve has six, is it six billion on its debt or is it six trillion? I think it's six trillion. And I would say billions of dollars, not seasonally adjusted. It looks like it's six trillion dollars. Mm -hmm. So I would say repudiate that debt immediately. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we do not owe that money to them. Yeah. And so that would bring the debt down to like 25 trillion. But so oh we've my. got, yeah. So we have all that debt and yes, they trained us into it. Now, mm -hmm. a lot of people, I guess right now would go bankrupt. I hope I did not get a 30 year, like 3% mortgage. I really wish I had, mm -hmm. but a lot of people did. And that's great. I hope that they didn't get the adjustable rate. 
I didn't. Uh, but what I remember, you did. Uh, I got a, a 3.875 for 30 years. Fixed. Awesome. That's great. Mm. So what I, I remember when I was first out of school and I had some school debt, which surprises me. I know I had credit card debt. So I had a, a need scholarship, need-based scholarship. So I didn't have that kind of debt, but I had a lot of credit card debt because I lived off of the credit cards in college. And you can just imagine how oh, much yeah. interest that was. So it took me a long time to pay it off. And I remember a, a coworker of mine who was senior to me said, you will not believe it when you you roll over from paying interest to getting interest. Mm -hmm. And this was in the 90s. So I'm sure interest rates were normal. Yeah, And it was amazing because yeah. at the end of, you know, I had more money at the end of the month and boy, that will train you pretty quickly. So if you could yeah. get 7%, a CD for 7% right now, like I have had in my life, mm -hmm. you'd want to. So like, then I would say, Hey kids, save for your car. Don't get a 7% loan. That would be like shocking. And maybe it'll backfire a little bit because people will say I'm trained now to not tolerate 7% debt. Mm -hmm. And I want always wanted to be able to save some money. So maybe that'll help a little bit, but it's probably too late because the national debt, which cannot be repaid, has to be leading to some kind of collapse. I assume yeah. it'll be a CBDC thing, a central bank digital currency thing. I, I assume that's what they're doing to us. Yeah, yeah. I I definitely think that's probably in the works no as way. well. Yeah. Um, do you ever look at people when they say, oh, high interest rates are bad, like they were bragging about the low interest rates under Trump, and do you ever just kind of shake your head and say, you have no idea what you're talking about? Well, I wondered, you know, I, I just, the whole scheme, this whole, it all interla interrelates with everything, like the mm -hmm. climate, the economy, infrastructure, spending, taxes, all of that stuff. When someone says sustainable to me, like sustainable fractional reserve banking with this aggressive monetary policy is not sustainable and right. it destabilizes the system. Yes. And then it gets people to overconsume complete crap, by the way, mm -hmm. complete crap. And while they're overconsuming, so they're, they get no benefit from overspending on a highway mm -hmm. if they stay home. Right. And, and I know that sounds like there's no, possible way that could really make a difference. But I've said this like a million times, the report from Iron Mountain states as an example from 1963, that there's, they could run computer models then that would register the amount of change in the real estate prices in lower Manhattan for a slight change in the draft law. So if they were making those connections, I can tell you infrastructure spending promotes transactions and it takes you away from being home. And Lower interest rates get people to encourage people to tear down old houses and put piles of beautiful marble and stuff on the corner that's broken. It can't be used again. And then you need zoning laws. So I have a real problem. And the overconsumption, like you don't need to worry about fossil fuels if you are actually paying for them. And I don't know, I'm not talking about carbon credits. I'm talking about if you had to pay a real toll for the the full cost of every highway mile, mm -hmm. and it was 100% borne by the people who were using the highways, mm -hmm. they would use the highways less. Like it would, and then as the price went up, as the cost, as oil went down, those prices would go up. And I, I've been saying for like 15 years, people, if there's a real problem with fossil fuels, the price would reflect it and people would start telecommuting. Mm 
but they right. don't. So they may, you know what I mean? Then they, it's like an artificial them. panic. The whole thing is just, it's just the whole thing is so controlled. And if you mm -hmm. didn't grease the skids of, of development with really low interest rates, you would have a natural sustainability. You would have a natural balance between capital and labor. You wouldn't have, you know, massive systemic disruptions. It wouldn't flow through the economy at all times, everywhere the same. And the same thing with gold. It's like gold. I feel like God gave us gold because the more you need it, the more you're willing to spend extracting it. Mm -hmm. And, and, and as productivity gains improve, so they're saying, well, there isn't enough gold to drive the economy. It's like, well, then you would put some money into getting it out of the earth. It's still there. It's just harder and harder to get out. And right. then you have these massive productivity gains in labor. So if you have massive productivity gains in labor, you would need, you could, you as a factory worker, your labor now, you could make 50 pairs of Levi's for an hour's worth of work. You could still get the same amount of gold for an hour's worth of work as you did a hundred years ago. But now you would get, you know, they'd be worth 50 pairs of Levi's like mm -hmm. I was watching a, a, a Western and the guy bought a pair of Lee jeans at the like Western store for 50 cents. Mm -hmm. And I asked my son, it's like, why, why do they cost more now? Why would they cost more now? Don't you think they're cheaper to make? Mm -hmm. And he's like, they're like 50 bucks. I'm like, yeah, why? And we just puzzled through it. And it's like, why? 100% because it's not tied to gold anymore. And it's just, you know, and that's, that is suppressed interest rate monetary stimulus like fiat money it's all the same to me and it's all a way to direct our behavior and to absorb all the surplus of our you know surplus surplus production of our labor and if you look in the 19th century he was same kid was doing a like a report at school and i said let's see maybe it was related to this what was the price of milk in 1800 and 1900 and 2000 and i believe that the price of milk, it's very hard to find these stats. I don't want you to see it. Mm -hmm. I believe the price of a gallon of milk was lower in 1900 than it was in 1800 or like lower in 1860 than it was in 1820, yeah. while the wage in real dollars was up. Uh -huh. So I think that's when they had to just say the United States will, you know, whoever it was, European powers, whoever influenced us, mm -hmm. the bankers, I don't know. This is too, too much of an example of the power of, liberty mm -hmm. and it's so egalitarian that there is no way to amass and concentrate wealth in a free society and right. i just feel like that's all of all the financial shenanigans are about that moment in time they were like no mm -hmm. and one one book i read i think it's like a banned book and i <laughs> don't put it on my shelf because like halfway through i was like Ugh. but in the beginning it was talked about how Bernard Baruch or the people were okay. Like some Western bankers were okay with Hitler, but when he started giving a, like a creating a coin that was worth one hour of work and then everybody would just get this one hour of work coin. And it was very clear how much things cost and they were using it. Mm -hmm. And then that was it. That was like, this guy's got to go. Wow. That's what I heard. Wow. That's actually really interesting. I've never heard that before that literally ever. It, it sounds like the, by the way you're describing it, every single time a nation kind of gets their money in check and they really start to prosper. That's when everybody says, all right, well, they fucked around enough. Now they're going to find out. <laughs> um, and so kind of tailing on here, I'm really curious about your thoughts. Cause I laid this out when I was on Courtney's show last time, and this is going to make people mad, but I'm okay with that. Um, 
DeSantis is a very, very popular figure, right? And the woke stuff is very, very not well tolerated by a very, very large group of people. Do you see the populist right and DeSantis kind of being perhaps a new swing in the culture? Because like Christy Nome, for example, didn't lock down at all, right? But she got no coverage. Why did DeSantis get all the coverage? When he locked down for a brief period of time, but he was really able to play the news. Do you think that there's any kind of artificial propping him up specifically? And then <laughs> definitely. Yeah. And then, you know, let's say the global cabal is going to kind of do a pivot away from the woke stuff and more towards perhaps populism and right-wing Christianity. I'm not saying that it's guaranteed, but I think it's a possibility, and I feel like this is a possibility that nobody is considering but could be very real. Like going back to the early 2000s and 90s of satanic panic and terrorists, because now you also hear them talking about China a lot and how there's all these Chinese spies in America and China's the number one threat, even though every single one of the China talking points falls apart under the slightest scrutiny. I see this happening and there's a lot of stuff that just looks eerily familiar to like the nineties and early two thousands. I was pretty young back then because born 94, but um, like, it just seems really similar. Do, do you get that vibe at all? I, <clears throat> there's a lot there. So if I don't get to your point, then we can go back. But <laughs> I totally think that DeSantis is like, he was a JAG, a judge ad advocate general. He was like a Navy mm. SEAL. I think he went to Yale. I mean, yeah. he seems like a CIA agent. A created person. Yes. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So that's, he's, to me, that's where he is. And like I say, I mean, I would rather, I would rather somebody who, tells me lies I want to hear and might have to deliver on one once in a while than mm -hmm. somebody who laughs in my face and tells me, screw you. I, yeah, I don't want yeah. that either. But I feel like there, there, there's definitely a ginning up of uh, a resistance. And it's either, and I'll tell you what I think that is, but it's either to cause a real civil war, which would then, we'd end up with a new society afterwards, or create the need for a either usher in totalitarianism or right. create a need for like martial law to put down a, a, a revolt or whatever. So I feel like the two sides are you got woke stuff. You've got the identity politics stuff. You've got like actual people calling themselves communists and, you know, right. coming out as, as socialists, which is a stepping stone away. And so, and that was not an okay thing to say previously do a lot of advertising on, the transgender stuff for kids, like the right. critical race theory, it's really going too far. And right. I feel like they were trying so hard to get a reaction. And that what do they want the reaction for? The reaction is going to be like Pete Q said something. I don't know if he said it on air or off. And I think I keep quoting it, but mm. I can't, I don't want to attribute to it to him if he didn't say it on air, but yeah. he says this kind of stuff. Like that's how, if you, you know, mama bear is going to be mad. <laughs> if you start messing, you know, she's never going to, she totally wants to get along into soccer game, but once you're, you're, you know, mutilating her children, she is going to want to uh, scratch your eyes out. So mm -hmm. you could get, you could get a lot of people to answer the call for a more radical right-wing thing. And then, mm -hmm. and then, so that could be like a fascism angle. Then you have 
the Christianity thing rising. You have like the Jeffrey Epstein thing being on the top of everybody's mind. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have like the pedophile stuff. And I feel like when you tie Jeffrey Epstein and Mossad in, you can start getting some anti-Semitism. So if you're looking for fascism, you really want to recreate that. And you couple it with anti-Semitism. Then you have this kind of like Nazi feeling, Mm -hmm. which either... I don't think this is going to happen. I think that you do that so that you can come in over the top with martial law or some kind of like they maybe they they won't call it martial law, but it'll be the surveillance state that Klaus Schwab wants. And mm-hmm. you would, you know, they'll advertise it as it's not really, it's not, it's not Soviet like block style brutalist. Yeah. You'll have internet. <laughs> yes. It's the, it's the air is the airport. You know, it's the white enamel chrome airport with like blue neon. It's going to be clean and you'll be healthy and blah, blah, blah. So I think that's probably why they're doing all of that. I, you know, I think, but I also think that they do scenario analysis. So they can say, well, this could break four different ways and we're ready for each one. These are the, these are the creative people we have. These are the cells that we could activate. And Mm -hmm. if one doesn't work we'll bring in another one so i think ted cruz and donald trump were just two created people just seeing which one was going to get where they want so maybe ted cruz comes back you know Mm -hmm. or whatever something like that i think they were trying that they were like maybe we'll do the christian thing maybe we'll do the asshole thing like let's see which Mm -hmm. throw it on the wall and see which six (laughs) but you said something that i didn't understand Mm -hmm. the china talking points fall apart what what do you mean by that um they I'm not bl- a big like, oh, I'm afraid of China, but I'm curious to know what you mean. Okay, so they accused China of a Uyghur genocide. Um, you were you've been on Pat's show, Pat McFarland's show. He did that whole documentary that completely disproved that essentially, right? Um, the fentanyl stuff, I've kind of done a little bit more reading on that. And I hear a lot of right wingers saying China is sending fentanyl over, and it does originate from China. Yeah, but China- I couldn't find that either. You're right. Right. They say it comes from China, but they won't necessarily say where. And then on top of that, in May 2019, they actually came down very, very hard on it. So that clearly tells you they're not trying to get it over here. And then Marjorie Taylor Greene literally said today that there are 300 people a day dying from fentanyl overdoses. And I looked up the numbers by two different websites. It's either anywhere from 150 to 164, which one death is too many. Don't get me wrong. My sister died of a fentanyl overdose. Right. And well, I'm sorry to hear that. But (laughs) it's wild. Yeah. but you know, there's a lot of this yes. ginning up of China hatred, and who, and then we're you know selling warships through their strait. I, I just, I'm very cautious of this. And yes. there's a uniform, yeah, there's a uniform consensus amongst right wingers and even left wingers. Like everybody says Beijing Biden, but he's been the most hawkish on China president that we've ever had. Okay, there's a couple of things sure. uh, that I want to mention. Yeah, I agree with you. When I hear somebody talk about. They like I agree with them, agree with them, agree with them, and then they're like, and China because China. I'm like, oh, you're a fed. Like I get it now. I just, you know, I just feel like anybody who's with me all the way, and then yeah. they do that. I'm like, you are seriously working for the. Rand it's it's China, China and Israel. China and Israel are yeah. the two weak spots. Yes. So, so I assume you mean Israel and the other. Not Israel's the bad guy. Israel is the Oh no, no they, they, the they love yeah, they they love yeah, Israel. Love like you you'll see Matt Gates say that I stand with Israel against yeah. the woke left. Like <laughs> Yes, come there's on, dude. definitely people who say things about Israel that they probably should be saying about their own country, but right. whatever. Well, and, I, and real, real quick side note is that yeah. uh the things that we accuse China of, Israel's guilty of every single one of them. Every single one of them. 
Yeah, the Israel question is it is so I mean, if you if you want to talk about something that I considered an absolute hot button when I was on the air on a very conservative radio <laughs> station in Atlanta, I can imagine. That was really bad, but I, you know, I would look into it and I would get a lot of emails of people who wanted me to hate on Israel and a lot of people who were like, you're a piece of shit if you don't love on Israel. Like there was a lot of that, but it was just one of those things where because it was so in play, I felt like that's, that's probably what they used to call, I used to do the nine uh, the nine line, the covenant house nine line is like a suicide mm-hmm. hotline. And I would screen people for if they were like imminently suicidal or whatever. And the way I was trained, they said, there's always a presenting issue. So they call and they say, Oh, my friend left me outside and I'm drunk or whatever. And mm-hmm. you know, why would you call it a suicide hotline? Like there's something else and they just aren't ready to hit you with it right away. Right. So I feel like the Israel thing could be the presenting issue. And I really don't know what the real machinations are behind the scenes, maybe. So I don't know if the UK, US mm-hmm. television, you know, Israel thing is like a big triangle. I don't know who's on top. Oh, I, I don't, I don't yeah. know, but they, but yes, I, I, the, if you get into like the blockade and the way the propaganda works, it is pretty disturbing and very polarizing. But then you wonder how come, you know, then you hear like Elon Omar say stuff that's just stupid, you know, mm-hmm. it sounds like it's all about the Benjamins, whatever. It's like, oh, are you, you know what I mean? It just yeah. seems, it just seems weird. It seems like they're playing that out for us um, as a divisive thing. And then, and, and with the China thing, <sighs> there are, there are two things that worry me about China mm-hmm. and it's not, I don't think, it's quite possible that they are as not aggressive towards us as like Russia is like when they import mm-hmm. uh, like impose all these images on Putin as being bad. I went back, I've been following the Ukraine stuff since 2014 at the latest mm-hmm. might've even been 2013. I mean, I can't believe it took him so long. Right. And Zelensky is just a complete piece of crap. Like, could mm-hmm. not be more of a piece of crap, more of a created person. I mean, yeah. wow. Yeah. So, I don't believe anything they say about Russia. So, mm-hmm. China could be the same. Okay. So, yeah, when it comes to the China stuff, is that I think a lot of people don't really realize how much we've been kind of poking the bear over there, where we're setting up bases in countries surrounding them. Yes. We sanction them. We sail warships through their strait. We're yeah, training Taiwanese sea. soldiers. Right. And, and then <laughs> what we if have China this, do you not understand? Yeah. Um, <laughs> the whole open, free Indo Pacific, instead of calling it the South China Sea, um, congressional delegations all the time yes. to, to Taiwan. Okay, like, this gets me to the, my answer to you. I okay, yeah, yeah. Else. okay, yeah. But I mean, people just have a complete blind spot to this. And when you say like, "Hey, maybe we shouldn't be hawking it up with China," people say, "Oh, but you know, what? What do you mean? They're they're terrible." It's like they're well, the jerks, right? But yeah. look what we're doing. We're sitting there poking them in the eye, and they're saying, "Hey, this is a red line. This is a red." It's the same deal with Putin, and I really think that's what they're trying to do. Is they're they're fucking poking the bear to see how much it'll take. And they just had that big ass military drill back in um August because Nancy Pelosi going over there, and we're still sending. I think even like some governors and stuff were going over there yeah. too. Okay, so anyways, your answer. I'll tell I'm you sorry. what I think that's about. No, uh-huh. no, I, I wanted to hear what you had to say. Uh, I think the Nancy Pelosi thing, there's two wrinkles to all of this that I do think matter. One is- They don't have to do with or, hammers, do they? 
Oh no, but I'm doing a deep dive on that tomorrow. And that, see, that's oh, a big wait. distraction. I have the yeah. answer. I don't give a care about the hammers. Mm -hmm. I understand what the, I, I think I know what the real story is. Mm -hmm. So um, the two things are, okay, so why they were over there, I believe, I did a deep dive on this too. I believe that they, are, they were over there cutting deals with the Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company because they just passed a law to bribe them to set up factories in the US and yes. to not set up factories in China. And if you look at and they these rules are real. I think everything's fake, but these rules what they're doing to keep mm -hmm. these really high level chips out of China, they just do not and it's hard to stop commerce like that. Mm -hmm. It's hard to stop. That's why drug trade and guns and stuff it's so hard to control something. The, they these are really high-end chips and they really want to absolutely control them. I'm surprised they don't have like little marking devices like or etched into them like diamonds, like this yeah. is a numbered chip because okay. those chips will run the machine, the supercomputer that will control the world. And I do think that at that level, yeah. somebody, there, there is a battle between two entities, whether it's China and you know the u.s military or mm -hmm. i don't know what but there is a battle there i think for that and uh that's why i think they were all in taiwan and they mm -hmm. made it look military i really thought that it was going to be about selling arms to taiwan that's what i thought mm -hmm. the real they are talking about be. doing that yeah they are they are but yeah. i'm saying like i think the real thing is that nancy pelosi was there for 11 hours and she spent more time with the taiwan semiconductor manufacturing company than anywhere else in okay. those 11 hours and i looked up and then there was another congressional delegation going down and i was yeah. like let me just see if this guy's meeting with the taiwan semiconductor manufacturing company and, and he was yes Yes. And she was like the only person who would ever, I saw her with this blue ribbon on and I'm thinking, what is that award? And she, it was, the the award was won like only by one other, I don't know what, American or something. I don't know what it was. And it was the guy who had established the Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company. Uh... And he, he uh, was at MIT when he or wherever it was, like, I think he was like a flunky from MIT, but whatever. Yeah. It's very, there is something going on there. Like, that's a whole nother level. But that's not the same BS that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I agree with you 100%. Okay. What's up, everybody? Um, we're going to take a quick break and tell you about the show's sponsors. Um, we are brought to you by Element T Electrolytes. I've been using this stuff for years, and what I've honestly found is that if I didn't have electrolytes before some kind of cardio, and sometimes even before workouts, that my workout performance, or definitely cardio performance, would suffer greatly. Um, Sodium is responsible for every single movement, pretty much, in your entire body. And let's say you drink a lot of caffeine, <laughs> like I like to do, then um, maybe it is a good idea, like I do every single morning, um, put some LMNT chocolate electrolytes um, there in your coffee to get a little bit more sodium, potassium, and uh, magnesium in your coffee so that way whatever diuretic effect you get from the caffeine is pretty much diluted by the fact that you put chocolate salt in it. Um, also, it tastes really, really good. Get some uh, chocolate creamer, hazelnut creamer, or even coconut. Uh, mix that all up it tastes really really good so uh yeah make sure you drop by go to drinklmnt.com slash in liberty and health and uh pick you up some electrolytes today all right guys thanks but the beijing biden thing i want to do a deep dive on this too Okay. So, and I don't do too many deep dives, but th these are all issues that I think are really have something there that's, that is hard to find. 
he from the beginning has been cutting deals for his personal benefit through yes. his brother and his son mm-hmm. in the neighborhood of like a billion billions of dollars. Yeah. So and he was doing that in Ukraine too. So I think he is that that's when I was I telling you I was telling somebody else like I think Biden is just the he's he looks maybe he is losing his mind, but he's bad. Like his, his corruption mm-hmm. is really mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a venal. I don't know. There's like a word for it where it's just so money oriented and right. has nothing to do with nothing. So I don't, I don't know what he's doing behind the scenes. I mean, who knows? Maybe what he's saying to them is, I mean, I guess there's two ways it could be. He's telling them there's only so much I can do, or I'm doing mm-hmm. it behind the scenes or whatever, or things that he is specifically benefiting from. Perhaps he is he is tailoring the different policies to make sure that that stuff is safe. So you're how do you make sure that your investment in China is safe or that Chinese have they cut him in? Mm-hmm. But now, I mean, it is getting to the point where if they care about that specific thing, those super high end chips, I don't know. I think he absolutely would. I think he would. I mean, maybe that's how he would betray is mm. that he would do it. I don't think he's any loyalty to this country, but that some some very powerful entity is is winning the battle on trying to keep those chips. And he he yeah. did it in an executive order too. So right. I feel like I can't I can't uh I can't reconcile those two things, but they so, might not be reconcilable. Maybe mm. that's where the conspiracy ends, you know, and there's yeah. actually competing forces. So, yeah, that's really, really interesting. And, yeah, there is, like, verifiable things where him and his son were both cutting deals with uh, China. But the fact that he's come out and said many times that, hey, we will defend Taiwan militarily, like, people kept chalking it up to gaffes, but it's it's not a gaffe, clearly, because he's repeated it over and over and over again. So I think the one thing that's kind of missing here is that China is also the most globally dependent country, or not the most, but they're one of the most globally dependent countries in the entire world. And all the surrounding countries do not like them at all. So even if in a situation where they were to take Taiwan, and they have said multiple times they want peaceful unification, um, they're still largely globally dependent. So they wouldn't really be able, they wouldn't be in a strong position to negotiate if they were to take Taiwan and, you know, let's say try to have a reign over the chips that they're um that they're building there in Taiwan because they need so much stuff from other countries around the world that it wouldn't make sense for them to say, hey, we're gonna hold this from you because everybody else would be like, all right, well then we'll just sanction you and then take all your, you know, we won't give you anything that you need because I it may not be this may not be accurate, but I I think they import a majority of their grain, if I recall correctly. So they're just very largely dependent on other countries to sustain their own country. So in my mind, it doesn't make sense for them to try to have this forceful monopoly on chips. Right. Uh, the you bring up a good point in that mm-hmm. the reason. The big reason that China is assumed not to invade Taiwan is that they buy the chips. Mm-hmm. And I think Taiwan basically is the Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company. It's like <laughs> some insane percentage of their GDP. It's like mm-hmm. kind of like I had to look it up like four times. Like, is it 90% of its GDP? Whoa. And it's okay. a, it was a company that was 
like uh, inseminated from America or whatever. Like it's weird. And for us to say, okay, we're cutting you off on all chips. That is a provocation. Mm-hmm. Like kind of like the Crimea thing was a massive provocation. So right. Crimea is a Russian speaking territory. Right. And the first thing the government that we installed there did was ban the Russian language as an official language. Mm-hmm. So, And then there's a vote of, do we want to go join Russia? And of course they do. And they're a big base. They're like San Diego for Russia. Right. Like they're just a big naval base. So obviously we knew that was going to happen. And we did it, you know, we did it on purpose or we did it and knowing what would happen basically means you did Mm. on purpose. And same thing with China. So I would say that there is that, that, and they call, they keep making these comparisons with Crimea. And I'm like, well, if you really want to make a comparison with Crimea, you have to incorporate the, the fact that it was foreseen and provoked. Mm -hmm. So the chip thing could do that, but I feel like Taiwan isn't anything more than the chips. You know, I feel like, (laughs) It has to come down to the chips and and mm. maybe if, you know, maybe they're just willing to give it up and, I, and maybe, I, I don't know how much manufacturing of those chips actually happens in Taiwan. And mm-hmm. if, you know, the size of what they're planning to build here, I don't know why they even did it in Taiwan in the first place, but, mm-hmm. you know, there had to have been a reason. If they would build it here, like, I guess that's a whole nother level down to go but as far as them needing grain and stuff don't you think i don't know if you can take chips out of the equation but don't you think that the world is codependent with china and that it would be very hard to sanction china and still have barbie dolls that don't stand up yeah yeah it would be because once again we've completely crushed the americans neck and forced out our jobs over there because they'll do it for much cheaper and essentially the deal is we send them worthless paper and they send us goods so long as they tolerate it and and this is the other funny part is that every, peter ship is well, actually the paper wh- isn't worthless if they have it all okay, because the so, paper is worthless yeah. as it gets inflated but if they right. you know if they have it all they own it, everything no matter what the number of commas is in it like you know if they have enough of it it is a problem for us okay so this is getting a little bit beyond where i've dug and i'm 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 interested though because this is something that i I yeah me too first on as possible i don't believe china holds all of our debt i'm sure they hold a decent no 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 no. i I, i'm not saying that i'm just okay i like to i like to stylize things so you can Mm -hmm. understand what we're talking about a little more easily uh yes and 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 you might be right what can they do if that isn't that the famous like kissinger thing or whoever said it like if if somebody if you owe somebody 10 percent of what you're worth Mm -hmm. it's it's not it's a problem for you if it's 10 percent of what they're worth it's a problem for them or oh i see what you're saying so yeah if they own so much you're right like our if we collapse, they'd never get paid back, and that's probably bad. But mm-hmm. I don't know how much. Oh, you froze! I broke your I broke your internet. <laughs> no, I you were there the entire time. Okay. Am I good? Yeah. No. Okay. So our economies are so intertwined with theirs, and really, it seems like we're getting the longer end of the stick because once again, we get all these goods that increase our you know, standard of living and they just get paper, which is getting more and more worthless as the day goes by. Yeah. So 
and like I said, it was Peter Schiff who originally turned me on to this. And that's why I started scratching my head when you would hear Trump talk about we're getting screwed on trade deals. It's like, well, how are we getting screwed if we send them <laughs> debt and we get goods? Because eventually they may decide like, hey, maybe we want to consume these goods ourselves instead of getting worthless paper that's worth, you know, 99% less. Why- why Trump was doing that. And now I feel like they're shutting down the world a little bit. Mm-hmm. They, that, that was foreshadowing to that. So, so do we think like to wrap that thought up? Sure. Do we No, I'm, I'm curious. Like I really want to put a point on it. So do we think that if, if China invaded Taiwan, the world would cut them off and that would be that, that would be possible and it would hurt them. Is that what we're saying? Uh, I just don't think that China wants to do any kind of aggressive actions that would piss anybody off because they're largely dependent on the world. Okay. And so are and so are we to a large degree because once again, they depend on us for debt and then we depend on them for goods. So we're winning, they're losing. And So um See now I think you're reminding me of something that I started to think about. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I think it was like six months ago. It's just right before the Russia-Ukraine thing. It's so yeah. crazy how stuff just like pops into my head right before it happens. Like somebody's, <laughs> I don't know what is going, you know, I just mm-hmm. feel like I'm smelling the the brownies before the timer goes off. Like, I don't know, but there's something that I, I don't, I, I don't think it's my senses of, of um, premonition or whatever, but mm-hmm. I was starting to think, are they big teeth they? So who? let's define that. I used to say the queen, you know, the queen, the pope, or the president. No. Mm-hmm. Um, who made the, who, who made the decision that like Russia couldn't use SWIFT? Was that like the state department? Who makes that decision? Congress, executive order, like, right. Didn't they cut him out of SWIFT? Yeah. Do you know uh, what I'm talking about? Like yeah. you're not allowed to use the clearing mm-hmm. house. So whoever did that, let's say that's the they, they knew that that would accelerate a Russia-China alliance centered around like a parallel banking system or like an alternative banking system. So they did that knowing that we, that I'm assuming whoever cut them off of SWIFT is the most powerful entity in the West. And I think that entity at one point thought it could be the most powerful entity in the world. And once it realized it couldn't, it said, okay, well, now we have competition from the other side. Not only can we not dominate them, they might dominate us. So let's just build a, you know, an iron curtain and put that back down and have an East and a West. And so I think, I really feel like that is actually what that was about. And if China knows that India, Russia, isn't going to care. Russia's going to know if Taiwan, if Taiwan's a provocation, Russia's going to know, mm-hmm. you know, and they're going to be on their side and Russia has a lot of grain, right. you know, and if they oh, get some of Ukraine, oh, I see where you're going. So, and, and then they'll have this hmm. big semiconductor factory. Interesting. Yeah. Right. And then <laughs> they'll really... invade Taiwan and then they'll have a yeah. semiconductor factory, but it has to be, it has to be so, China has to be able to demonstrate that it's justifiable to their side of the world. I think I'm not saying Southeast Asia, if that's not, if you think that that's never going to happen, but India and Russia is all they really need. Mm -hmm. 
Wow. And some people say they have Brazil and South Africa. I'm not sure I believe that, but yeah, that whole I don't, I'm not sure I believe Brazil. Yeah. I think that's we're like, establishing regional hegemony here. Yeah, that's that's super like meta. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I mean, that's just what I think. Like, yeah. I don't, if, if I were to dig into some of the stats, that's why I like to do mm. the deep dives because right. I can't just like do homework for no reason and I don't have any shows mm. to put out. But I like to do a deep dive because I can sometimes get to the bottom of some of these Right. Questions. So... I- I guess since we kind of put a, a relatively nice bow and left people with some questions there, um, <laughs> I, I, Jesus Christ, an hour and a few minutes flew by really, really fast. Um, I, I want to ask you about a few more things that we can check out. Okay. Here. Sorry. I, did we go off on a tangent? That's not on your list. No, no, no. I'm okay. no, no, no. We're, we're good. I, I okay, great. That, that's really awesome actually. And um, I'm curious to hear what, or, um, what everybody else is going to think about this, but um, have you ever done any digging on Steve Bannon and Miles Guo? I don't know who Miles Guo is. You don't so know who Miles Guo is. That's a oh, big no. Okay. Yes. So, I because I don't like yeah. anything that's in the news. I'm like, he's eh, not in the news. Somebody so, else has got that. Oh, really? Okay. So is he's he like the, the C, the like CFR alternative. You know, they do like the trans, the religion, <laughs> the traditional religion stuff. And they have the alternative to the CFR. He, all that stuff's supposed to be banning. Ba- basically, Miles is, he's, you could almost call him, Bannon's financier, where this dude is an exiled CCP billionaire who defrauded all sorts of other CCP dissidents, notably out of- How do you spell his last name? I can't believe I don't know It's M-I-L-E-S space G-U-O. I've done a little bit of researching on it, and I don't want to go on a long tangent because I- I, I've done a decent bit of digging, but I haven't quite gotten to the bottom of it because you just like pull one string and then you got another string and yes. then you got a whole ball of yarn somewhere else. Um, but basically, this dude is an exiled CCP billionaire who defrauded different CCP billionaires, like different um, hedge fund managers over oh. in China out of billions of dollars. And then he defrauded a whole bunch of people with a cryptocurrency and he was running a network, like a TV network over here and agreed to pay the SEC like $459 million. And this dude is handing Bannon cash for strategic consulting services he was the guy that uh steve bannon got arrested on his boat right and yeah miles guo was actually trying to like dish this boat off on his 20 year old daughter who had like never sailed on it and it stopped at this repair shop and they had no receipts of her ever owning it like this is a real piece of shit and then there are also other ccp dissidents who actually were being assaulted by people tied to guo so it's like he almost wants monopoly and his explicit goal is like overthrow china so my point in this whole tangent is that Steve Bannon's kind of like a leader of this populist right, right? And he's being essentially financed by an exiled CCP billionaire. So no shit he's hawkish on China when he's being financed by a dude who was exiled by the CCP and he's defrauded all these other CCP dissidents. There's so many strings. And like I said, I haven't gotten to the bottom of this, but you can find the lawsuits and stuff like that. It's really, really interesting. And uh, Robbie Martin and Abby Martin are the two that kind of turned me on to this. It's th- There's a lot there. And like I said, I have not gotten to the bottom of it. I, I'm, I'm actually surprised that you don't know that. But yeah, that's Well, because really I, don't go, yeah. I don't go down the... Yeah, I, I, um, no, it hasn't come across. My, I, I do see that his also Miles Quack, which yeah. sounds kind he of he has like, a couple but, different n- yeah, names. It, yeah, for me, I feel like he, uh, the, Steve Bannon is, seems very, very deep state to me. Yes, he was. <laughs> he was in the Admiralty 
way back in the day, like I think mm -hmm. literally like in the 70s, he was some kind of maybe liaison to the Navy. And um, it's a very, hold on. Yeah, just while, while you're looking that up, it's, I just, I never got this good feeling about Bannon, especially how he was calling for regime change in China. He's super hawkish on Iran. And now the deep state's main focuses are on Russia, China, and then Iran's like a third thing. And they constantly put China's yes. number one. Yes. Totally. And then Russia's number two. Okay. So he was instrumental in the attempted rescue of the Iran hostages in the seventies, which was a failure. Uh, and then I think, so that was under Carter. And then I think he was actually at Reagan's inauguration, which I would be like, uh, did you sabotage this operation, buddy? Right. But that guy doesn't feel like, you know, some people think he killed Breitbart so that he could take mm -hmm. his job. You know, I mean, yeah. that guy seems very suspicious to me. And here's the thing, though. I used to, I think this is like a little bit of a nuance in the way I start to think about these things. Mm -hmm. I feel like, Usually, I think guys like that in the public eye, everything about them is just a psyop. But some of them are just deep state actors who need a kind of front. So yeah. his thing with Trump was probably he was probably really just like a handler or whatever there. And his mm -hmm. relationship with with Guo is that how you pronounce it or Gap? yeah, Miles Guo, Guo, Miles Clock, right? Um, I mean, there there would probably be some information in that in that relationship that was real, and I am definitely going to dig into that because nice. when I do the deep dive on Biden and you know Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and their investments in China, I you know I I'm gonna one thing that keeps popping up I will tell you is that their billionaires or whatever are in jail or missing. You know, there are these guys who get taken out or go rogue or whatever. And I did just do a show with Jeremy Kuzmarov about how, like, we arrest the Huawei chick or we had Canada mm -hmm. arrest her because we just don't like what the business is doing. We want to intimidate them. So, right. like, anti-corruption stuff is all about taking strategic action against other companies. Yeah. So one of the strings I wanted to pull on for the Bidens was their billionaire guy, their contact, who's supposedly in prison, but really just disappeared, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, there might be a whole another center of gravity for the Chinese because we we get like the Epoch Times and stuff, right? Yeah, or and they, they spend Epic. millions of dollars on ads on YouTube. Yeah, and I think I think the Moonies were friends with George W. Bush. Mm -hmm. That's Korean, though, probably. Okay. Uh, yes, and my mother watches news. I'm like, Mom, this this looks like news from China. I think it is. I think it is from okay, China. Okay, so, so but, you, you know, know who the they Epic love Times Trump. Is, Yeah, you know who the yeah. Epic Times is funded by, right? It's, Are it's, they the Moonies? No, it's essentially the Falun Gong. Right, 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 right. Right, right. the called over in China, and right. they have all those ties with New Tong Dynasty. Pat covered that all in his documentary, and they're all, once again, very, very hawkish on China, and they claim that they have no ties to Falun Gong or New Tong Dynasty, but, like, their YouTube addresses and all their TV addresses, all the shit's, like, exactly the same. Like, it's NTD. Um, yeah. It, it, it's it, it's all related. But do you think that they are related to these rogue billionaires in any way? Do they have any connection with Bannon or the Bushes, perhaps? That I would, would be completely... Yeah, no, no, you, you definitely should. Um, do you listen to Media Roots Radio at all? I do not listen to other podcasts. 
Oh my because God. Okay. I'm afraid a, I will repeat what they're saying and I don't want yeah. that. B, I find it difficult to use that kind of thing as a source. And sure. most important, I do not want anyone else answering questions for me because I will not be able to look at it with fresh eyes. Uh, so okay, that's, that's why I don't admirable. really, I don't know this stuff. Sure. Well, I just can't add any value. Sure. If I'm, if I'm consuming instead of producing, it's mm -hmm. impossible for me to have original thoughts and then after, but in the process of it, then I will, I'll look into it, but I don't like to look into things before I've given it my raw opinion first. Uh, okay. Actually, I should take a note from your book then. Yeah. Jesus. And sometimes I'll, even before I do my research, mm -hmm. I will write like what I think the story is and what I think the conclusion is. Cause yeah. I do a lot of notes when I do a deep dive. And then I'll, then I'll start piecing together articles and stuff and it, I, and just flesh out that skeleton or like what happened with the, the, why is Nancy Pelosi in Taiwan? Like my mm -hmm. original argument was the Rand corporation wants us to sell arms there. And by the end of it, I was like, holy shit, they're building a machine that's going to see the future. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, so, all right. Yes. So we've been going for like an hour and 15 and this is completely flew by. This is definitely been one of my favorite conversations I've had since I started this podcast a little over a year ago now. Um, I got a couple questions to ask you if you don't have anything else to add. No, that's great. Okay. What does the liberty look like to you? It is warm <laughs> it is organic and it is three-dimensional that's all i can tell you it's like a beating heart wow that is the most probably one of the shortest answers i've got to that question and definitely one of the like deepest without <laughs> most abstractly so what does it yes. look like and i'm trying to visualize it sure i'm giving you some visuals yeah. so and i just looked into my soul and i thought where would i you know what does, what do I see when mm. I, when I envision, imagine liberty? Because it's just, it's not, it's not, it's not just freedom. It's, it's self-actualization of the human. Wow. And you just, you have to have structure and life to really enjoy what I think is the, is the truly is the is a definition of liberty that's worthy of man. Well, hell yeah. I like that answer a lot. What does I'm... yeah, <laughs> what does health look like to you? Health. I know. I was wondering if you were gonna give me a lesson. <laughs> oh my gosh, health. Health. I feel like health is freedom from corruption. I feel like it's like original sin. Non-health is like original sin that it's visited upon us, but that the natural state, the pure, it's like, it's, I have a son who has Down syndrome when they say, when, you know, you go to heaven, you're perfect. You're mm -hmm. in your perfect body and everything like that. And I always wonder, does that mean he's not going to have Down syndrome anymore? Because isn't he just perfect the way he is? But I feel like that the, that that state of being, that's, that's health and we can kind of achieve it. I think that we actually have this great ability to achieve it. And it's so, it's so great. Like our 
desire for liberty is so great that it takes all that propaganda to push the desire for liberty away to corrupt our natural thinking about that. They have to give us chemtrails and shoot us up with stuff and mess with our minds and just to, to lock us into rooms with screens, just all in an effort to erode our health, which is just trying to get out, just like liberty. It's just always trying to get out. And just like Down syndrome, like you can't eradicate it. It will come back. Even if they abort every kid with Down syndrome, they will come back because you can't get ahead of it. They, they're just there. They're born that way. Um I feel that way about liberty and I and I feel like health is just a really organic thing that that needs to be corrupted. So that's why when people are not well, the first thing I ask them is like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. You know, what are you consuming? Like get rid of the alcohol, get rid of the caffeine, get if you have to get rid of the sugar, get rid of, you know, all of that stuff, chemicals, mm -hmm. whatever, sleep, like restore your true self. And I think that's helpful. Nice. All right, um, Monica, this has been an absolutely fantastic conversation. I seriously cannot wait to share this with everybody. <laughs> oh, um, that's so great. Have yes. Fun. Where could everybody find you? Thank you for asking. Uh, I am Monica Perez. I like to tweet. I like to communicate with people who tweet at me. So I try to answer every single tweet, tweet every single night. So I'm at Monica Perez show. And if you want to listen to my podcast, it's deep dives with Monica Perez on your favorite podcasting platform. I have, I also have a website, Monica's deep where I have my show notes, but I have deep dives like what we've been talking about, but I also have buddy dives like this. So if you want to give me the file, I would love to share it with my listeners. Absolutely. And then I also have dive masters. So somebody who really, if I'm interviewing somebody about something they really know, mm -hmm. they'll be a dive master. But so I offer, I try to offer variety three times a week, just like you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and yes, and I love to chat. So at Monica Perez show. Nice. All right. Well, hopefully everybody why don't gets you, look. you okay. want to, you tell about yourself. So if it goes into my feed, people will know. <laughs> okay. Well, my name is Kyle Matovic. I'm the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast. I play guitar for a band called A Common Crown. And uh, I like to lift heavy stuff and also advocate people to uh, become better people. So, um, yeah, you can find me at K-Y-L-E-M-A-T-O-V-C-I-K on Twitter, the In Liberty and Health podcast on all major audio podcatchers, and uh, the band Common Crown, everywhere you could find music. And, um, yeah, if uh, anybody ever needs tips about health, feel free to check out the podcast and shoot me any questions. I'm on Facebook and Twitter, mostly active on Twitter, though. What's your Twitter handle again? Uh, K-Y-L-E-M-A-T-O-V-C-I-K. It's my okay, name great. spelled out. Fantastic. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. That was really fun. Yeah, no, I completely agree. So uh, we'll definitely do it again sometime. This, uh, Like I said, it was awesome. Perfect. Thank you so nice. much. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.